This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. A new cabinet secretary in the Justice Administration comes into the job with extensive legal and leadership experience. But he is still looking forward to the challenges of leading a very diverse set of agencies. It gives me uh, a lot of fulfillment just to uh, go to work and know that what I'm doing makes a difference. And also it's diverse enough to where I know I'm never going to be bored. That story and more coming up this West Virginia morning. Residents are being asked to review the federal government's new map detailing Internet access. Amelia Nicely has more. The Federal Communications Commission has released its preliminary map of Internet access around the country, and the West Virginia Office of Broadband has already found 138,000 instances where the map wrongly reported there was Internet available. Director Kelly Workman is encouraging residents to verify their Internet access by entering their address in the FCC's online map. We encourage all West Virginians to, to participate in this process. We have heard from West Virginians all throughout the state um, about the, um, the faulty reporting. So we know the frustration is out there. The coverage map impacts federal funding to address Internet gaps. Challenges are due January 13th. More information on this challenge process can be found at wvpublic.org. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Amelia Nicely in Charleston. West Virginia has slightly improved its ranking among states in energy efficiency, but as Curtis State reports, a lot more could be done. West Virginia ranks 44th out of 50 states, plus the District of Columbia, on the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy's scorecard. That's an improvement over 2020 when it was 48th. Emmett Pepper, Public Policy Director for Energy Efficient West Virginia, said the state could do more to help residents and businesses become more energy efficient. For example, he said there is no energy efficiency program for natural gas. The state also doesn't spend enough on helping low-income residents weatherize their homes. A couple of issues caused West Virginia to lose points. The Public Service Commission prohibits incentives for switching from natural gas to electric, The state also allows local governments to have less stringent energy codes than the state code. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. Concerns over a possible Chinese cybersecurity breach has a state phone TikTok ban underway. Randy Yowie has more. Senator Ryan Weld, Republican from Brook County, has asked Governor Jim Justice to ban the download of TikTok and WeChat from all state-issued cell phones, laptops, and other devices. Following Weld's request, State Auditor J.B. McCuskey issued a TikTok ban for his own department, effective immediately. Weld says the Chinese-owned social media sites pose a threat of a cyber attack on both the nation and the state. Under Chinese law, the, the government has the authority to demand that those two companies give to them all the data that they've collected through the people that have downloaded and used those apps. From the governor's office, TikTok has already been blocked on state networks for many months, and the state's cybersecurity team continues to mitigate any risks. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. As temperatures drop and the rate of respiratory infections increase, the FDA warns of a months-long antibiotic shortage. Emily Rice has more. While obtaining an antibiotic prescription for their children, parents have noticed increased difficulty in filling those prescriptions in recent weeks. The most obvious shortage is of amoxicillin, a common antibiotic doctors use to treat a variety of infections, including ear infections, strep throat, and pneumonia. 
Flu, RSV, and COVID-19 are all respiratory viruses that cannot be treated with antibiotics. However, illnesses that are treated with amoxicillin, such as ear and sinus infections, as well as bacterial pneumonia, can happen after a surge of respiratory viral infections. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. $25 million in grant funding is going towards the Coalfields Expressway in the southern part of the state. Shepard Snyder has more. The money comes from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and will go towards the construction of a new segment of road connecting the north end of Mullins in Wyoming County to the segment of West Virginia Route 16 east of New Richmond. The proposed four-lane highway has been in development on and off since 1998. When completed, it will connect the West Virginia Turnpike in Beckley with U.S. Route 23 in Virginia. Work started on another segment of the highway connecting it to the town of Welch in August, which is expected to be finished in 2026. This also comes after nearly $550 million also coming from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act were announced a week ago to help maintain bridges across the state. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Shepard Snyder in Martinsburg. Student enrollment in West Virginia's community and technical colleges and public four-year universities remain mostly steady for the fall 2022 semester compared to the year before. For the state's community and technical colleges, enrollment rose about 1.4 percent, while public four-year enrollment declined slightly, also by about 1.4 percent. The number of high school students taking dual enrollment courses from public colleges and universities increased across the board in 2022. Dr. Sarah Armstrong Tucker, West Virginia's Chancellor for Higher Education, emphasized the positive impact of dual enrollment courses for high school students. Nearly 67% of students in the class of 2021 who took dual enrollment courses went to a community college or a four-year institution after graduation, more than 20% higher than the state average college-going rate of 45.9%. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 750. Variable cloudiness today, high temperatures in the 30s and 40s, partly cloudy overnight, lows in the 20s. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with highs in the 30s and 40s. Thursday, rain, freezing rain or snow with highs in the 30s and 40s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Taurus Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TaurusSaveAlaw.com. James Bailey was appointed recently as the new Commerce Secretary for the state of West Virginia. 
He comes into the cabinet-level position with an extensive legal and leadership experience in the executive and legislative branches of state government. Randy Yowie spoke with Bailey on the challenges of managing a diverse department that includes everything from forestry to rehabilitation services. What would you say is the most important tidbit of optimum job fulfillment, if you will, that you learned as you take on this cabinet position? To have an impact on our on our state, you know, the Department of Commerce is probably the most uh, diverse uh, department within state government. There's you know agencies, you know, from you know our state geological survey, which is made up of geologists, to the Division of Natural Resources, to workforce and Division of Labor. It's a huge spread of uh, diversity over the subject areas. How do you manage 2,000 employees working in such different entities? It's a uh, a very appealing challenge to me because of the opportunities that it presents uh, to be involved in so many different types of things. Uh, you know, it, it gives me a, a lot of fulfillment just to uh, go to work and, you know, know that what I'm doing makes a difference, and also it's diverse enough to where I know I'm never going to be bored. Economic development is coming to West Virginia at a fast and furious pace. Now, this development will need hundreds of workers. You lead Workforce West Virginia. The state's workforce participation rates are among the nation's lowest. What plans do you have to grow that rate? That rate can be increased uh, both by adding people to the state, which a number of things we hope will do that, and you know a number of things have resulted in that. You know, we recently had, uh, for the first time in uh, recent history, we had a positive uh, inward migration, uh, which is a huge plus. That's you know that's one of the more immediate uh, ways to do it. And then also, uh, we are t- undertaking a number of efforts to increase our workforce participation rate uh, by educating individuals who aren't currently uh, in the workforce as to the opportunities that are out there. Your office is over the Department of Natural Resources. Would you expand on what you recently told the uh, Parks and Recreation Interim Legislative Committee about implementing House Bill 4408, giving these third-party contracts to build and operate state forest and state park recreation and lodging facilities. Really what we're trying to do is open up the opportunities that were there for the few to all the state parks. And what those agreements allow us to do is to go out and reach uh, concessionaire agreements with private industry folks. Um, And from as big as, you know, multi-state, you know, developers that might say develop a campground to uh, as small as just a, you know, uh, an individual who wants to, you know, give horseback riding lessons. So it's really uh, opens up a a broad array of possibilities that can only go towards increasing the recreational opportunities for the people that visit our parks. So it's um, something we're excited about to, you know, expand and to increase because what it, uh, in addition to us bringing them in, uh, there's typically uh, involved in private investment in that as well. So, you know, the the concessionaire has skin in the game and, uh, you know, has all the motive to, to run and operate whatever it is they're doing well. You know, the things that we look to do are only things that will enhance and provide more opportunities for folks. You know, it, it, you know like I said, as soon as we as soon as we do anything that, that ruins what the appeal is, then you you ruin any incentive for anyone to come in and invest in it. Your predecessor, Ed Gonch, told me that one challenge for commerce going forward is removing obstacles like 
He talked about 200 boards and commissions from things like occupational licensing and helping entrepreneurs have more success in starting up a West Virginia business. There is no argument that they, they create uh, barriers to entry for people to get into whatever that the workforce area may be. Uh, you have to balance that with, uh, you know, the public good that uh, those boards provide. You know, there's examples of uh, licensing fees that folks have to pay in the, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars a year, which, you know, all that does is, you know, fund, you know, employees at the board. It's not an easy thing to, to get done, but it has to be done carefully and has to be done, like I said, on a case-by-case basis because there isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all for, you know, each of these different boards. This fraud task force that was passed by the legislature, uh, has that kicked into gear? Yeah. Uh, in fact, we had uh, an investigation through that uh, task force that resulted in an uh, indictment in the Northern District uh, Federal Court. What we're referring to there is the Unemployment Fraud Task Force, which kind of peaked during the COVID crisis, and we saw that as a problem throughout the country uh, as COVID has somewhat left us. Uh, I guess there's still a situation, though. It will continue. People will try to defraud uh, the government. And when they do that, um, it's not, you know, it's not, things like that are not victimless crimes. Those are resources that are being taken away that can be used elsewhere uh, for people who are actually in need of those uh, resources. So it's something we take very seriously and have uh, put a lot of work into getting that task force, you know, up and running and, you know, the investigators in place. And we're already seeing success. And it'll continue far beyond the pandemic to be necessary. That was New Commerce Secretary James Bailey talking with government reporter Randy Yowie about meeting the challenges of managing a very diverse department. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Amelia Nicely, Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, Randy Yowie, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.